Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Everyone good? And let's just take five seconds to praise God together. Come on, I don't care how you feel or what you brought into the place. You got a good God, cares deeply about you. Hey, North Location, why don't we greet the Plaza Location as we're linking live together. Hey, we love you, everybody. It's great to be together in God's house. God's up to something good. Amen? You can grab your seat. What an exciting week and season as we open the House of Hope and we start a brand new series of talks today, and I believe uh, it's going to speak to you. One of the most important parts of our lives is relationship. First Corinthians and chapter 16, verse 3, it says, Be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, and be strong. And verse 4 says, Let all that you do be done in love. And that's the title of our series, In Love. How good is it to be in love? Come on, everything we do, we're to do in love. Being in love is amazing and incredible. And the Bible has a lot to say about relationships. And we're going to get real practical over the next few weeks. Talk about how to work out things in your marriage and your life and how to deal with conflict in relationships. And, and we're going to get real practical. We're also going to get real biblical. The Bible has a lot to say. Although the Bible doesn't specifically talk about dating, uh, it has a lot to say about relationships. It's a different culture, day and age. Uh, there was no swiping right in the Bible. Um, praise the Lord for that. There shouldn't be any today either. But anyways, but the Bible is authoritative. And what we have to be good at is translating that truth into our world. Not making it fit our viewpoint, but asking God's view to come and correct our vision and how we're supposed to see life and relationships. And, and I am speaking on dating today, but I guarantee you this. If married, if maybe it's not your season of life and dating. About 50 plus percent of our church is single. Very rare in the American church. And so maybe that's not your, stay, your stage of life, but uh, I guarantee you'll find something for your marriage, for your relationships, for the people that you do life with around you, for you to work into your world. And it's just good to be in love, to be honest. Love is fun. I remember when you first were dating. Come on, the married folk. You remember when you first were dating? <laughs> the excitement. Everything was like butterflies and long talks. Long talks on the phone. Remember when you first held hands? Remember that? Just like that little touch. It's like your pinky went over first. It's like a little peace treaty you were sending over to seal the deal. And, and it was funny, but it doesn't always stay fun. Because we've got issues, and we got baggage, and we got hang-ups, we got problems, we got different perspectives. And sometimes what starts in love can end in pain. Happens to many of us. In fact, even if your marriage is thriving, I guarantee you there was a season of struggle. All of us go through it. And what I would love to do today is to help, especially those that are single, but really all of us, to see how we can let God's ways become our ways so that the struggle can be limited, the grace can be sufficient, and the goodness of God can be seen in our relationships. Because really our marriages are a testimony to the world of how good our God is. And I know things started out so great. Like, she's like, he calls me buddy because we're buddies and we just do everything together. Like, she likes to eat the fries off my plate because we share everything. And a couple years later, it's like, I'm not your buddy, mister. Ever get called a mister, you know you're in trouble. And, and the guy's like, order your own food. I want to eat my food. 
because everything starts great, but to build a love that's lasting, we have to stay in love. We have to walk in love. We have to see things through the love that God has given, has given us. And in the beginning, it's perfect, just like when God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, he created it. It was without flaw, without blemish. He created man. In the beginning, he also created woman. And from that creation, the first relationship on the earth, things went, went wrong. And so I want to speak today on in the beginning. In the beginning, maybe some of you are coming back to relationships, or maybe you need to come back to the beginning of doing it God's way, the right way. Maybe just starting dating or desiring to be married in the beginning. If you can get it right, it will go right in the long in the long run, because they don't always just stay in the beginning. They move into real life, and when real life, it gets hard, and the things are out of order. It can be harmful. Marriage, life, and relationships can be beautiful. They're powerful. They can be exhilarating and exciting, and they can also be the place of greatest pain in your life. The Bible has some, some great love stories. There's like Boaz and, and Ruth, like great love stories, but there's also like Samson and Delilah, like, not everyone gets it right, but for you and your life, you and your spouse, you and your future, I believe you're going to get it right. Amen? And you just need some relational skills that your parents couldn't teach you, didn't, and you didn't learn in school. You've got to learn from the Word of God. Can we pray? Come on, join us, Plaza. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your Word. It's so good, so true, always points us in the right direction. Uh, we thank you for the relationship we have with you. It's a relationship on grace. Uh, that we've received as a gift, and it changes how we relate and connect and love the people around us. Lord, I would pray that there's some people uh, in this room, people that are, are, are listening and leaning in, that their relationships are out of order, but God, I thank you that you would bring your peace and your truth and your grace, all working together to change us and to grow us so that our relationships can give you glory and be pleasurable for us here on the earth, because that's your heart's desire as a perfect father for your children. In Jesus' name, amen? amen. You know, your life, in your life, there is one paramount decision above all else. It's what will you do with the gift of Jesus? That, that's the most important relationship. We know that. I don't need to go and stress that. If that, that one's not right, then you're missing. In fact, that's the meaning of life, is to know God and to make him known. And so everything hinges on that. So when, once that one's in order, and if you, if you don't have that one in right order, you can do that today. We believe that, like, it's not having, you don't have to come back to church. You can come to God, meet him to, today. In just a few moments, we're going to pray a prayer, and you can surrender your life as you've known it to receive the life that God has for you in the future. And, and that's, that, that's, everything matters. Like, that, that, that's paramount to everything else. And then underneath that, there's another set of kind of two questions that, that every other relational question, like, it doesn't matter compared to this one. And that's, one, the first one is, are you going to get married? And then, who are you going to marry? Yeah. And, and those, I mean, every, where you live, honestly, what you do, uh, all those things matter, but they don't matter nearly as much as that first one and then the next one. Because if you marry that, that right person, if you're that right person in your marriage, everything else can get worked out by the grace of God over time. But I'm telling you, you're gonna save yourself so much heartache, disappointment, and frustration, ultimately by, hey, I'm gonna give my heart to Jesus, receive that gift. And secondly, I'm gonna choose the right person. I'm gonna be the right person to walk forward in this relationship this is what matters the most. You know, 40% of Americans think that marriage is moving to being obsolete. 
But even like scientifically, sociologists and anthropologists look back historically and study that societies that remained strong for generations had strong marriages. That marriage was highly valued, even as unbelievers, that marriage matters more than you know. It brings strength to the community. And I believe this, that strong marriages are pillars in God's house and church. Marriage really matters, and we better make sure that we give it time, attention, and we work on it. Because there is a thing called, listen, it's called the gift of singleness. And if you don't have that gift, it ain't a gift. A gift of singleness. That means for a very small, minute number of people are actually called by God not to be married because they can do a greater work by themselves than they could partnered with another. Like, there's a few people called to it, like Jesus. The gift of singleness was on Jesus' life. And even Jesus is coming back for a bride called the church one day. And then you got the Apostle Paul. Like, he, 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 he didn't want, like God didn't want him to worry about the wife and kids back home as he's being beaten and shipwrecked for the advancement of the gospel. But that was his calling. Mother Teresa, the gift of singleness was on her life because she called to make a greater difference alone. Because I believe this. You might feel like you have the gift or the curse of singleness. But if you have any desire to be married any desire at all, I don't believe you have that call. Because I don't think God would give you a desire that he wouldn't want to grant. Now that's just my viewpoint, that's my perspective. So it doesn't matter your age and stage of life, if you have a desire to be connected to, 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 to a bride, a husband for the, for the duration of your life, then God wants to meet that need. Now the truth is, some people will go to the grave without the gift of singleness, never walking in the beauty of marriage. And some people, they should have stayed single longer. It was a gift in that season because God was doing a significant work and they shortcutted the season by trying to step into something prematurely. And my word for you is don't shortcut the season. Wherever you find yourself in this season, let God do a lasting work right here and now because every season of your life, God's preparing you for something greater in the next. Because God even looked at his creation, man, in perfection and in perfect relationship with him, Adam, and says, wow, it's actually not good for man to be alone. Like he had perfect connection with God, perfect peace on the earth. And God says, you know, it can actually be better if I bring a partner, a teammate into his life. It's not good for man to be alone. And young guys in the church, you cannot use that as a pickup line later on today. <laughs> Don't try to quote the Lord for your, for your benefit. Don't shortcut your season. Ecclesiastes 3 says, For in everything there is a season and a time for every matter, everything under heaven. In other words, heaven knows that the season you're in has a significance. And you might not like your season, but God's doing something in the season. And, and the sooner you learn what he's doing and what he wants to do in you, then you'll be ready to move on to the next season of significance so find your grace in this season and know what is he training in you so ultimately he can produce something greater through you. Your single season is a significant season. And you cannot build your future, your God future, if you're not embraced today. Where you're at right now, maybe you have come out of a broken marriage. I don't believe that's the will of God. I don't believe that's the heart of God. But I believe by the grace and the mercy of God, you can begin again. And you can start over. 
and get a renewal in your heart, a healing in your heart to move forward to what he has for you next. You know, this week in Major League Baseball, um, spring training kicked off. Now, these are the best in the world. Like, football has, like, OTAs and preseason and, and basketball. Well, basketball preseason is a joke, but, but everybody has training before the season begins, before the games actually matter, before it actually counts, is when you're actually there to get prepped up, to, to get rid of some excess on you, to sharpen your skills so that you can play at your best. And so these, these world-class athletes understand, if I'm going to have a great season when it matters the most, in the preseason, I need to give my best. I need to grow. I need to take my gifts, my abilities, and I need to sharpen that which God has put on the inside of me. It's the same with our relationships. Don't shortcut that season. What God is doing right now will actually produce victory in your future if you let him establish and how to maximize his plan and purpose in your life in the here and now. And the time of singleness, listen, is such a great opportunity for you to be exposed. You would rather be exposed now than later. Expose the selfishness, expose the insecurities, expose the habits and the hang-ups. That you could definitely get married still carrying those into marriage. But guess what? They will weigh you down, slow you down. Ultimately, you are saving yourself significant and your spouse significant heartache by letting God do something in this season. Singleness, the season of singleness is powerful. You can come alive to your gifts. You can break off codependencies. You can eliminate some insecurities. Just like marathon runners, like when the day of the race, they wear as little as possible. Like those shorts are way too short for a human being. But just because you're a marathon runner, you get away with it. You got that little singlet, the, 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 the tank top. Even the shoes, they have race day shoes that are as light as possible. Because they understand if I'm running at the distance and rate and up to my capacity, the, the, the less weight I have, the farther and the faster I can go. The less weight I carry, the less it weighs on my heart in the same way. Because a, a wedding is a moment, but a marriage is a marathon. And God wants you to eliminate excess weight and stress, problems and pain, so that you can make it the distance, so that you can run at your fastest, so you can go the farthest, and has the less strain on your heart. What's the Bible say about relationships? What's the Bible say about dating? About dating specifically, not very much, but about relationships, it says a whole lot. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26, it says, the righteous chooses his friends or her friends carefully. And if we're to choose our relationships that are platonic and friendships carefully, how much more so should we choose that partner in life carefully? Biblically speaking, the Bible says that like, you're no longer... A, by yourself when you're married. You're no longer alone. You don't just have a partner in your house or in your life. Two actually become one. So whatever is in you and is in them comes together. If there's contaminants there and contaminants here, they come together and they don't just add to each other. I believe in marriage, they actually multiply each other. So why not choose very carefully, first and foremost, to let God do a work in you so you're as healthy as possible. No one's going to be perfect. Everyone's got a little bit of baggage. But if we can eliminate as much as possible up to that point, then when we come together, we can go farther. 
Because it goes on to say the rest of the verse in Proverbs 12, 26, the way of the wicked leads them astray or off the path. Now, when we see that word wicked, we immediately think like witchcraft, right? We think like sorcery. What that word really means is just twisted. And this is what the enemy loves to do. Listen, he loves to take a little bit of truth of God and twist it from a selfish or prideful standpoint. In fact, that's what the enemy did in the garden. He showed up and took a little bit of God's truth and left out a little bit of truth. And he, what he wanted to do was get the Adam and Eve twisted in their relationship with God. And if we don't have the word of God as the true north compass to walk forward, then we will live a life twisted and tormented, less than God's best. And so what we need to do is we need to choose wisely. wisely. And don't twist that person or even your season, seeing it the way you want to see it. Ask God to examine your heart and show you where you can come into alignment. I got a couple of things that we're going to use kind of as a checklist that God's going to help you with, I believe, to choose the right person for your future. And again, married people, I believe that you can work this into your world even now, making sure you continue to be the best that you can be for your spouse, ultimately for your God. But there's a couple of myths I think we need to dispel. The first one is like Cupid is not one of God's archangels. God is not Chris Harrison from The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Listen, it says the righteous choose, chooses. Like the choice of who you marry is up to you. God, listen, he can lead you, he can guide you, he can correct you, he can direct you, he won't force you. He won't dictate to you. He lets you choose who you're going to marry. Who you date, who you marry, that's your decision. Girls, God's not gonna just align a sign over a guy that says, marry Larry. <laughs> if you're a Larry here, you can go ahead. I hope you do get married, but that's not going to happen. And some people say, I'm gonna wait till I date, which is good. I, I think it's always good to walk into it as healthy as possible. But if you're waiting for somebody just to show up with a ring and a bouquet of flowers, and you're living in the parents' basement, you're going to be waiting a long time, probably forever, because there's some things that we need to do. God can't really navigate and move us if the car is parked. Listen, nor should you go around trying everyone on like an outfit, trying to meet and greet and connect and love every single person. This is why we need some filters to run some things through. Because people, the way you treat people matters. It's significant. And so no she try to date everybody to try to find the right compatible fit. But if you're just choosing that God's going to bring everything to you, you've got to make some decisions to move forward. Like people aren't like outfits to try. And I actually had a jean jacket I was wearing today. I didn't try it on. I just picked it out last night. And uh, I should have let Liz pick it out because I got to the plaza where I preached the first service. And I tried it on in the mirror. And I looked like it was like too matching. Denim on denim is the Canadian tuxedo, and it just looked awful. And sometimes you don't know how things fit or feel, right, until you, until you, you step out. And I just would want to speak that to a couple people. If you're waiting for, like, God to bring a halo over a person, you'll be waiting forever. But on the other end of that, if you're dating everyone that will give you the time of day and attention, you're both wrong. You need to let God show you, lead you. In fact, the closer you get to the Holy Spirit the more discernment and direction you'll have in what to do and how to connect and how to love 
people, because there's another myth out there that like, it's the one or none. Like, there's only one right person for me. And I know that's really romantic, but it's not really biblical, and nor is it even logical. Because like, like the two of you, Matt, you, got, you guys are married. But like, what if you, you married up, for sure? <laughs> but what if you would have married someone else? Listen, God, God forbid, for you, um, maybe that would have been better, but whatever, I'm just kidding, Matt, you're amazing. That's yeah, my guy. The cosmic connection of relationships, the order of all relationships would have been forever disrupted. Like back to the future, Marty McFly would have changed everything. Why? Because like it can't just be one-to-one. Now I'm not saying God doesn't have a person picked out for your future. Listen, but if you're always thinking that way, like you'll always, I believe you'll probably always be disappointed. Because the truth is, instead of waiting for just that one, you learn to be the one. Who's the best Christ follower that you can be? How much can God do in me? How much can God do through me? How much does God want to change me? And then over time, and hopefully even by this message, you learn to filter out some people. Like, Because I do think there could be very many people that by the grace of God, over time, working some things out, are going to be a great spouse fit for your future that you're going to walk in your destinies together. I believe there's a few people out there. I wouldn't say hundreds or thousands, but there's a few people that could be a right fit for your future. And there's a million people that God would be like, that is a no for me, dog. Like, that's not the kind of person for, for you. Are you all tracking with me still? And I know it's like that romantic Hollywood story of that serendipitous meeting and like you're carrying groceries and there's a baguette in it and like you bump into each other in the park and the dog leash tangles around you and you fall and you find the one. But have you seen the marriages in Hollywood? They're on their fourth one. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work that way. You let God work in you and you build some healthy parameters and filters and watch God lead you into your relational future because love alone, listen, love alone is not reason to be married. Attraction alone is not enough. Family background isn't enough. Same hobbies is not enough. Personality connection is not enough. Given the right situation and circumstance, you could probably fall in love with anyone. And listen, before I married Liz, I dated a few girls. Um, and, and, and honestly, if I would have married them, I'm not saying it would have been like, the worst, but it wouldn't have been, the, have been the best. And I'm not even putting those girls down. It was really the work God needed to do in me. And then I met Liz, and it was such a blessing to find a, a girl, beautiful and fun, filled with life, valued the same things I valued, headed the same direction I was. And all of a sudden, I realized that this, this I'm attracted to her. I like I, I could love her for the rest of my life. What an honor it would be if a girl like that would get with a weirdo like me. And, and, and by the grace of God, maybe a miracle, maybe my mom's prayers, it all came into alignment. But listen, if I didn't make that phone call once asking her out, it would never have happened. And so if you're always thinking that it's got to be that one and everything's got to be perfect, you, you, you're missing what God could be doing because there are some things I want to give you, though, that are non-negotiables in your relationships. As a believer, if you want to fulfill the destiny and the call of God, which I think every one of us would say yes to, 
As a believer, there's some things I think are non-negotiables. And if you've already crossed this line, listen, maybe you're married to a person that these things wouldn't line up. There's still so much grace, mercy, and opportunity for your future. But what I'm doing right now is just sending out like a warning, an encouragement, maybe a correction, that these should be a part of your life in, from the beginning, in the beginning, so that you can have a relationship that can be everything God wants it to be. And if, I think these are the type of things that are a relationship that God wants to Bless. We're going to focus on three things very quickly. In the beginning, first one is this very basic. We're going to have unity. And I'm not just talking about we're going to get along. We're united in our faith, in what we believe. Because I already said the most important relationship in your life is your relationship with God. And so if the person you're going to spend your life with doesn't value what you would say as a believer, the most important relationship in your life can you see how you're already starting from such an unbelievable deficit that you'll never be able to get to the potential until those things come in alignment? Listen, and if you've married someone who's not a believer, Apostle Paul talks all about that. Let your life be the redeeming factor. You pray, you love, you serve sacrificially, and we'll believe for them to come alive from Jesus. But I'm just telling you, before you would step into a relationship or even date someone, you need to make sure that this thing's in order. You're going to have unity. Ephesians 4 says, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So in other words, nobody's perfect. We're going to have to give grace to everybody just like we need it, but make every effort, in other words, in all your power to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together in peace. Again, if that God connection is the most important relationship in your life, then you need your wife, your husband not to have a different worldview when it comes to who Jesus is and what Jesus has called you to do. If, if you do, and if you choose not to, like let that be a filter for your future relationships, then, then you could be living in a shallow relationship the rest of your life. Because God wants to protect your marriage, to bless your marriage, to promote your marriage, and he's gotta be at the center, he's gotta be at the, the glue. Remember, marriage is God's idea. Intimacy is God's idea. Children, God's idea. Your future, God's plan. And you need a person in your future that's going to believe the same. Not everything has to align perfectly, but the foundation of faith remains the same. You're all tracking with me? 2 Corinthians 6, here's your scripture. Stop forming inappropriate relationships with unbelievers. Can right and wrong be partners? Pop quiz, no. Can light have anything in common in darkness? Also a negative. Can a believer share a life with an unbeliever? No, that's not the plan of God for you. And I know you can step into a marriage like that, but you won't have the blessing of God on your marriage. You won't have that fruitfulness and fulfillment. Again, I don't want to cast doubt and discouragement because that might be the situation you're in. Let God redeem it. But I think if you were telling someone who isn't married yet who is a believer and they were thinking about marrying someone who was not, you would say, actually, let me tell you from my viewpoint, no. That's not the right fit for you. And I would even say this. If you really feel God's got something special on your life, which I know that he does, then you would need someone equally or near equally as excited about Jesus as you are, or there will always be a tension in living this life that you're called to live. Girls, I realize you spend a lot of time planning the wedding. Many of you do. And like everything, you got it all sorted out. Like you're not even dating someone, but you're already raising some of the kids and Hillsong kids to be your flower girls and helping them <laughs> with their petal coverage. And 
Like you've got it all planned out. And yet, and you think when that guy gets to the altar and comes down and, and, and says the I do's and there's a ring on each finger and we light the unity candle. I mean, you know, you can light a thousand unity candles and not be in unity. That you think when you get him to the altar, then you can alter him. And I'm telling you, he's not only going to be the same, you ain't going to change anything. In fact, over time, it's probably going to change you potentially more than you'll change them. The common divorce rate's at one out of every two and a half. It's actually gone down a little bit because less people are getting married. But they say those that are spiritually united, which this survey studied people, and they studied people that went to church together, prayed together, and both read and valued the Bible. They were spiritually fit on just those three basic things. The divorce rate goes to one into 1,500. I'm telling you, this is something too important, too powerful for you to gamble. Romans chapter one says, I, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. And if they don't have any faith, guess what? They're not, they can't help you, nor can you help them. We've got to have unity. Secondly, we have to have compatibility. In the beginning, we have to have compatibility. In other words, we're headed in the same direction. You can have a person that loves Jesus, but they have a totally different like, dream and desire in their heart than you. Then guess what? They're all, someone will have to miss out on what they feel called to or who they feel called to be, maybe even where you feel like you're supposed to live. And listen, I would be more flexible than anything because if that's the person you want to do life with, that's amazing, but you just need to count the cost before you step into that forever decision. And you need to be headed in the same direction in the same season of life. Amos chapter three, verse three. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? That's also a no. Like, how would we get together if we don't decide on where we are headed? And God has put you here on purpose. And I'm running out of time, but I want to say this. You have a purpose. He shaped you, gifted you, and called you. Ephesians 2.10, you're God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus, what? To do good to do good works, which he's already prepared in advance for you to do. So he already knows what you're called to. Our, our journey is to discover what that is. One of the ways we do that at the church is a two-part journey we call Next. And Next, you, you find out what church is all about, how you can play a part. And really, the second part of it is how, how has God gifted you to make a difference in the world around you? If you've not made that decision to step into that as a part of this church, and Potentially, that could be your first place in discovering how God created you. He, he not only shaped you, he's gifted you. First Peter 4, each of you has received a gift from God for serving others. Now, you must be faithful to develop and use that gracious gift from God. Again, that's why the single season can be such a significant season, because it's your development time. Not only has he shaped you and gifted you, but he's called you. Yeah. Hebrews 3, verse 1, brothers and sisters, you are holy partners in a heavenly calling. Listen, I don't want to stand up here and act like I have it all together. Liz and I, when we got married, there were a lot of things that needed to get sorted out, mostly in me. And if Liz was in this service right now, she would say amen right there. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of insecurities, passive-aggressive. I had a lot of baggage. But the reality is when we met, we were both headed in God's direction. And then when we began to date, we both had the same dreams. Not exactly the same, but we knew we wanted to serve God. We knew we were called to ministry to church. In other words, if there's a vein diagram, you know the circles, a lot of overlapping was happening. And there in the middle, we found that, that God could do something. Even in our differences, and we are very different in many ways, 
they actually make us better when we're brought together as one. And that's a lot of reasons why sometimes God brings opposites together. It's because together they can reach more people. But we'd already made up our mind that we're going to live our life to reach people. And God has had to do a lot of refinement, a lot of encouragement. Not every night has been perfect. There's been conflict. There's been growth. And yet here we are. In fact, this church doesn't exist if we didn't have some of those things in unity, in compatibility. If we didn't have those things working out, then this wouldn't be an outwork of what God has done through our lives and this amazing team. Think about the future of what God wants to bring through you. The dreams, the passions, the businesses, the beautiful family he wants to build. You just want to make sure that before you step into a forever decision, that you're taking the time, let God develop you, and then making a wise decision who you're partnering with for the future that God has for you. Final thought is this. In the beginning, you need to be emotionally healthy, not emotionally perfect, because that person doesn't exist. Outside of Jesus, emotionally healthy. In other words, there's some toxic things in your life or in their life. you got to make sure those things are getting worked out. They don't have to be completely solved, but they're not hidden. They're not tucked away. Because anything that's hidden and tucked away over time will become toxic. Because a person cannot really solve your real internal problems. Only God can. Marriage won't solve your problems. It will only reveal them, multiply them, magnify them. Because intimacy, listen, intimacy is ultimately what brings fulfillment. Money, money comes and goes. Even kids. Kids are beautiful. They add so much value to life. But intimacy, closeness with your spout is ultimately what brings fulfillment in marriage. And there's no intimacy without honesty. Jesus says in Luke 18, verse 17, we're not keeping secrets, we're telling them. We're not hiding things, we're bringing everything out into the open. In the NIV, it says everything that is in secret will eventually be brought out into the open. This is why as you're dating someone, or getting to know someone, as you begin to discover who they really are, make sure that you're transparent, you're open. Make sure they are as well. Any yellow light you have now will one day be a red light in conflict and issues. So just watch. If any flag gets raised in your spirit, in your heart, even from a close friend who loves God and loves you, don't just overlook it because your desire to be in the next season. Are you going to believe the best? Yeah, we believe the best, but it's okay to call it as it is. Why? It's better to work it out now than to let it weigh you down in your future. Again, no one's emotionally perfect. Everybody's broken. But some people are more broken than others. Listen, and God will restore them. God will redeem them. God can do miraculous things in their life. You're just not going to be the miracle for them. He is. And unless they're committed and connected, he or she, to the miracle worker, unless they're honest and open about where they're really at, there's a couple things I just think you need to make sure are not in their life. And listen, before you make sure it's not in their life, what's the Bible say? And check your own eye. Check your own vision. Check your own heart. I got a couple things real quick. Let me give it to you. Your anger needs to be under control. Anyone who spouts off at any given moment has got some real insecurities in their life. Proverbs 22, do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered man or woman. Uncontrolled anger that can go off at any given moment is a deep insecurity caused by a low self-worth. They don't like them, therefore they're not going to like anybody else. But I like bad boys. You like them now, but deal with your daddy issues because you won't want that in your future. No addictions. Got to be free from addictions. 
The Bible says you're going to be addicted to food. You're going to be addicted to wine. We all know you can be addicted to a thousand different things. Addicted to pornography, drugs, spending money, buying things. You can be addicted to video games. Not that, you know, like these things out of alignment will only be like, it's like a small cancer in the moment. And it's going to spread over time if it's not checked with. Hey, if it's there and there's a heart of opening, open and honesty, and then God can do a work. God can bring change. You're just not going to be the change agent. And to think that you are, that's a Messiah syndrome. The reality is there's only one king. There's only one God. There's only one connection to him. It's Jesus. There's only one power that really changes. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And God might use you to speak truth, but you won't be the truth to that person. And you need to let them work that out. And the same, let this be a list of things you're letting God work out of you. There needs to be zero bitterness in your life and in their life. Bitterness is like a poison. It will eat you alive. The crazy thing is what you resent, listen, you actually begin to resemble. So if you had an overbearing mom and you have bitterness towards your mother, the reality, if you get married, you'll actually start to act like your husband or to your, 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 your wife that way. If you had a distant dad and you're angry at it, him still, it doesn't make what he did right, but you can't keep drinking from that toxicity. It's only going to pollute you and one day your spouse and ultimately your future and your destiny. You've got to quit resenting it. You've got to release it. Hebrews 12, verse 15, make sure that you have experienced the grace of God so the bitterness doesn't take root and grow because that causes so much trouble and will corrupt. Last one is this. Be a person that lives unselfishly. If you have to always talk about yourself, all your dreams, or they only talk about themselves and all their dreams, it might be exciting in a moment that they have big plans, but if they never include you, what's going on in your world, you never include them and what they're believing. If we never talk about how we can bless other people, everything has to revolve around us where we become the center of our own universe, and that is a world destined to fall apart. So live unselfishly. Proverbs 28, 25. Selfish people cause trouble. Listen, I gave you a bunch of things to look out for, like warning signs. I, list, I realized it was kind of an intense list, and I don't know the atmosphere in the room at the plaza, but I'm going to tell you, at the north, it's a little tight up here right now. And I don't want you to start thinking about everybody else. I want you to think about you. That's how God always starts. He says, what, what, what does this mean to you, to your life, to your world? Like, I gave you a bunch of lists of kind of don'ts. Don't go into that. Don't do that. Don't have that. Don't be around that kind of person. But the truth is, of our, like this gospel that we preach, it's not about the don'ts, it's about the done, what Jesus has already done for us. But what he does lead and guide us is by his principles and his ways to safeguard us and to secure us into a God-given destiny and a future. And God wants your marriage, your relationships, your future to be beautiful and to be blessed. And what you need to see is everything I just listed out it might be a stop sign right now, but God will lead you forward. By his grace, mercy, he's going to take you forward in your relationships in your life. Don't let this season be wasted. And then they'll become like guardrails, making sure that you stay in God alignment so you can get to a God destination. Romans 5 verse 20, God's law was given, God's ways, God's rules, God's edicts. This is the way that he works so that people could see, hey, how, how, how messed up we are how sinful we are, and not to keep us in a place of shame 
or in a place of mistake. But as people sin more and more, how many knows we're going to need a lot of grace? What this word says here, Paul writes, like, the more you sin, the more God wants to show up. The more mistakes that you've made, the more answers that God has. You just got to learn to turn to the right one. And we don't use grace to stay in the same place. We use the grace of God to grow into our future. But God's wonderful grace became what? More abundant. For everywhere you missed it in your relationships, for everywhere your own life has been out of alignment, for every broken heart that you have because of your own doings or what someone's done to you, guess what? God has more grace. He's where anger abounds, more grace abounds. Where you've had addiction, more grace abounds. Where selfishness is abounding life, more grace abounds. Where deceit, manipulation, insecurity, inferiority, mom and dad issues have abound, guess what? More grace abounds. So no matter where you find yourself, if you're in a deficit, if you've been derailed, if you've been on a detour, if you feel alone, guess what? You're in the perfect place for more grace to abound towards you. Can we stand to our feet? I want to pray for you. Come on, on the plaza, join us. Let's make a decision right now. No matter what our current relationship status is, we're going to let the God, love of God fix us, fix me, so the love of God can flow through me. And only by that we'll be able to walk into the future that he has for us. I want to pray for you. Then we're going to worship God for a moment. Then I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Again, that's the first and most important relationship of all. If you don't have that one in order, everything else is out of is out of order. But right here, right now, if you're in a hurting relationship, or maybe you just feel alone, maybe you feel like you don't know how to get moving forward in your relationships, or maybe you have a tough decision to make with the person that you've been dating, I just pray the Holy Spirit speaks to you right there on the plaza right here at North. Can we pray? Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we thank you. You're so good, and we're inviting you in. You're inviting you in to speak, to investigate, to reveal. And Lord, we thank you. You never reveal something that you won't heal. Where you show us where we made a mistake, you're going to show us that you're the one that can solve it and that we're not a mistake. Lord, I thank you for every broken heart that walked into this room. They're going to walk out of this room with fresh hope and fresh grace. Lord, I thank you for every single person in our church that they're going to make God decisions. And you're going to bring a, 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 a person of destiny, not a derailment, a person of destiny into their future as you continue the work that you started in them. Lord, I think we're not wasting this season, but something significant is happening in us and your love is working in us so your love can work through us. And Lord, I thank you for the marriages, the relationships, the people of Hillsong Church here in Kansas City that we're thriving, we're growing, we're winning, we're moving forward, and we're going on to the beautiful life you've called us to together. Come on, let's worship together.